The human spirit is unconquerable. We are individuals and we are sovereign, born with unlimited potential, gifted from our creator. Our mission is to break free from the systems that bind us. I volunteer as tribute. We strive for peace and prosperity and overcome all challenges, roadblocks, and obstacles. We are empowered because we think for ourselves and we act for ourselves. We are self-reliant and independent, but guided by the wisdom of those who share our values. What possible difference can I make? There is no government, no ruler, nor ideas that are able to stop us. We are driven to succeed because we seek political freedom, financial freedom, and spiritual freedom. It's all for nothing if you don't have freedom. This is Mike Corbell, and you are listening to The Invictus Mind. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Invictus Mind podcast, the show where we discuss how to become unconquerable and the principles of political freedom, financial freedom, and spiritual freedom. This is your host, Mike Corbell, and I'm happy to be here and grateful for everyone who is listening. I hope this show provides value and entertainment for everyone, and if it does, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple. Also, share this content with three of your friends so we can continue to grow. You can check out the video for the show on YouTube as well as on Patreon. Finally, if you are interested in checking out the show notes or you want to get some awesome information about business opportunities and other goodies, you can get on the Invictus newsletter by texting Invictus, I-N-V-I-C-T-U-S to 33777. All right. You know, as a podcaster, I make it a point to contact and try to have a discussion with other influencers all around the country. It's been fun for me so far to have so many great guests on this program. And today I'm talking with another podcaster. He has been in this business for about seven years. His flagship show is called The Lions of Liberty. I've already interviewed two of his friends from this network. Both Brian McWilliams and John Odermatt have been on this show, but I thought it not prudent to overlook this guy. He has now recorded over 500 episodes for his show and has featured prominent guests like Ron Paul, Jesse Ventura, Peter Schiff, and Glenn Jacobs. He is originally from Buffalo, New York, is a Penn State alumni where he studied TV and video production and now makes his home in Los Angeles, California. He calls himself a conundrum wrapped in bacon and sprinkled with sea salt and a modern day revolutionary. He likes to say he is so awesome it'll make your head explode because he has never lost an argument. His name, of course, is Mark Clare. And though I haven't been on his show, I love how he introduces his guests. So to borrow his tagline, Mark, are you ready to roar? Michael, I think I am. I think I am ready to roar indeed. And uh, I can tell by your introduction, you've done your research and I know that you saved me. You saved the best lion for last. That's why I'm the third in the triumvirate here with Brian, Odie, and myself. But it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. How, how's the weather out there in sunny California? Uh, you know, they say that the the job of a California weatherman is the easiest job in the country. I don't know if they say that, but I'm saying it because it's the same thing every day. 70 and sunny, 70 and sunny. So it's nice. It actually, it's funny I say that today because it, it actually, we did get a little bit of drizzle, a little bit of rain, just a little bit last night. But it's sunny and nice today as it always is. Yeah, that's that's the thing I it has almost come down to being the only thing I love about California at this point or about Los Angeles is the weather. There are I'm exaggerating. There are things I love about living here. That's why I live here. Um, But a lot of those things are not what they were. Uh, I'd say 10, 15 years ago when I moved here, but even two years ago. I mean, things feel so different now even than than before. You must be referring to some of the liberal politics out there and, and some of the, uh, I, I don't know if I want to call them crazy people because there are some fine people from that state. But uh, I've been to California about a dozen times. 
There's fine people in all parts of the state, you know? <laughs> My wife has never been to California and she always says, I don't want to live in California. I said, I, well, let's just visit. It's nice there. But I think if you were here in Illinois, you would see that the politics are probably very much the same. But we do have two feet of snow to deal with that you don't have to deal with. So Exactly. Well, exactly. That's exactly right. And I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in um, Buffalo, New York, New York, and uh, as well as Connecticut in my teenage years. And yeah, I've, I've seen enough snow. I've scraped enough snow off my car. I've been in it enough to know. I like snow to visit. I like to jump in it for a few minutes, make a snow angel, go sledding. That stuff's all great. And then I'm done. I don't want to be in it. I don't want to warm up my car for 40 minutes every morning. I'm done. I've had enough. So I don't know if I'm going to keep living here in Los Angeles, but I'm definitely not going to be living full time anywhere. I'm sorry, Free State Project people, where there is snow year round. <laughs> Very good. Very or good. even part of the year, I should say. Mark, I want to thank you for coming on my show. Uh, obviously, I've had some other prominent uh, uh, libertarian podcast hosts and other people on the show, but uh, I've really uh, kind of uh, paid attention on your lines of liberty. Uh, the last show that I heard was episode 499. Obviously, 500 has not come out yet, but uh, you had a discussion with Thaddeus Russell, and I, th I found that quite entertaining. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Well, one thing I like about that, and this is a, a thing that we discussed in our interview, you know, he doesn't use the term libertarian. Like, I, I get, if you were going to take all his political positions and list them next to those of a, someone who does call himself a libertarian, you're probably not going to find any, maybe any difference. If, if so, it would be very little difference, I would say. And he will say that as well. But he definitely rejects the label. Um, and I think more so because he re just rejects political labels. He rejects the idea of giving yourself a political label in general because it, and he makes a great point. Like it really does, it doesn't really benefit the person with the label. Uh, the labels tend to only really help your opponent because now your opponent has this whole little box of items where if you say I'm libertarian, well, they can say, well, libertarians believe these seven things. I know that because I've studied them all my life, even though they don't really know anything about libertarians because they'll, the seven things they're listing are probably just exaggerations or stereotypes. Some of them might be true. Who knows? Um, but either way, there it's a loaded term, and any political label is really a loaded term. At the same time, at some point, we have to describe our beliefs in some way, shape, or form. So I don't know. I, I don't have a strong opinion on it until to this point, uh, to this day, but I think he does make a good point that in terms of growing a brand and growing a podcast, I mean, we have had tremendous success growing uh, this podcast, Alliance Liberty, in the sort of libertarian niche. Um, but that's where it is. It's in the libertarian niche. It's in the liberty niche. And can we really grow widely outside of that using the term liberty, using the term libertarian? Um, I don't know. I, I think there is a ceiling there, of course, because somebody to click on something like that to uh, involve themselves with, with these terms in the first place has to at least have at least a, a vague positive feeling about those words in the first place. Unless, unless it's just like, they're a really good friend of mine and I begged them to listen to my show. I mean, you have to go into it uh, with, with at least some affinity towards the ideas or at least be curious about the ideas. But that doesn't describe most people. It doesn't describe most people in politics. Most people in politics are looking to affirm their ideas. They're not looking to expand their ideas. Uh, most people looking for a podcast that has the word liberty in it or libertarian is, or about libertarian ideas are looking into it because they're already interested in those ideas. And I'm, I'm thrilled we've become a home for people interested in those ideas to learn more about them, to explore them further. Um, but that's probably as far as you can sort of go while keeping that same branding and, and same labeling. So we're growing within the niche, and I think the niche is growing because the ideas are becoming more popular. So, um, and we have a lot of brand equity under Lions Liberty. So I'm I'm glad that we got to where we are, but 
I think myself as well as my my compatriots in, in uh, Liberty here, Brian and, and Odie, it's been a big part of our conversation of how we can really expand ourselves outside of that sort of Liberty bubble while continuing to grow, grow what we're doing, grow our businesses, grow our brand and, and keep spreading these ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that the. Uh... I don't like the the use of labels myself. It's funny. I listened to my wife or some other friends who would call themselves libertarians, try to explain the philosophy to people who are not of this uh, ideology and the, the confusion on people's faces. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, what does that mean? What, what, what do you exactly believe? And so I, I've used the term voluntarist. I've used the term anarchist. I've used Christian anarchist. And it's just, I guess it depends on who you're talking to. But uh, I prefer the word freedom over liberty just because, you, like you said, it is such a canned word right now. Yeah, indeed. I mean, that, I, that's always the case. Again, every political label is going to have some pre, uh, you know, some some description that someone already has in, in their mind. But um, and this is a conversation that I just had uh, with Matt Kibbe today. Uh, today, as, as we record this, it will not uh, release for a few weeks because we're in the we're in the podcasting time warp here right now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, we had a lot of the same conversation where, you know, he talked about how, you know, he, he wrote this book, uh, Don't Hurt People and Don't Take Their Stuff. That's in big, bold letters. And that's not necessarily, it shouldn't be anyway, a really a political, a politically charged statement. Uh, but even under that, the subtitle, the kind of like the, you know, in, in smaller lettering, it said a libertarian manifesto because he's still kind of, you know, signaling to the libertarians out there like, hey, it's me. It's, this is what we're talking about. Come on in. So um, it, it is it is a challenge to find ways to, speak to people that aren't in in that sort of libertarian liberty bubble slash niche uh to reach those people uh while also sort of you know spreading beyond that and trying to bring people in and interest them become someone who gets interested in those ideas in the first place you know i took a political science class back in the year 2000 and oh, i'm sorry I, to hear that <laughs> just one class i didn't I'm major you made anything, it out alive but... <laughs> but uh, at that point in time, uh, they called me a libertarian because of some of my basic beliefs. Now, fast forward 20 years, I have some of the same beliefs, but uh, in between the time, I probably would have called myself a conservative or maybe even a Republican. Uh, forgive me, but uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't until Ron Paul that I really understood what, liber what libertarianism meant. And I think most people I talk to nowadays have probably attributed their philosophy to a guy like Ron Paul. Now, I know a little bit about your backstory, Mark, but I'm going to have you elaborate because I did speak to Brian and John, and they said you all met when you all campaigned for Ron Paul back in his uh, presidential run, correct? Uh, well, it's not we met. We actually first met in college. We all were uh, members of the same fraternity at Penn State. That's where the, the Nittany Lion came from. Uh, but Brian and I were did get involved in some canvassing for Ron Paul. Uh, we actually talked about this on our 500th episode, which, uh, again, we're in the podcast time where it hasn't quite dropped uh, while we're recording this. But, you know, <clears throat> we well, all of our memories. Yeah, we grew up in college. We were, we're, were kind of like drinking buddies, drinking friends. So a lot of our memories of how things started um, are fuzzy, so to speak. Uh, so we sort of. I sort of remember having some conversation with Brian where I, I, I remember saying something and uh, criticizing something of the government. I don't remember what exactly. And he said, yeah, man, man, the government's just all corrupt. And I just remember thinking like, ah, I got him. I got one here. And then, uh, so I kind of like, I was already big into like Ron Paul and the ideas of Liberty even many, many years before he even started, uh, before he even ran for president. So, uh, I kind of made it a mission to make him and as well as John, uh, sort of fellow Ron Paul acolytes at the, in 2007, 2008, 
2008 when I first got excited about Ron Paul and his campaign. Um, so yeah, I basically, my enthusiasm kind of uh, latched onto them and they became enthusiastic as well. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, our, our, uh, our sort of excitement about the ideas of liberty kind of expanded to people in our circle. And we started this little email chain uh, just talking about the ideas of liberty, uh, everything going on with Ron Paul. That kind of evolved into greater discussions about the philosophy over the years uh, to the point this became of an email chain of like 20 or 30 people. We get into like long, really in-depth discussions. And then at one point, one of us, it might have been me, said, you know, why don't we just we're having all these like long, in-depth discussions about these ideas. Why don't we just like, I don't know have like a blog or something where we just kind of put toss this some of stuff some of the stuff up there so we that's kind of that's kind of where it started uh the blog turned into a website once a friend of mine saw we had just had like a website that it was like a blogger website just a really rudimentary you know garbage blog and then a friend of ours just said why don't why don't we turn this into a real website so we kind of made our first the first version of the lions of liberty website itself uh and again we're really just focusing we're kind of ron paul fanboys we were really just covering the ron paul campaign um at first but when that kind of died down we shifted our focus more into kind of deep dives on the philosophy, filtering a lot of current events through the ideas of liberty. And um, we gained some traction with that. We, we were posting a lot of our articles out on the Daily Paul. Um, we, we, had, we had, I'd say, a very uh, a small following we were, we were developing, but a following nonetheless. Uh, and then from that branch, the podcast, because I was someone who was just listening to podcasts a lot in my life. Um, it just became something I was listening to all the time uh, when I was doing chores, when I'm walking the dogs, when I'm working out, always listening to podcasts or audiobooks, um, that sort of thing. But I couldn't find, and this might seem crazy to you, Mike, but I could not find really hardly any libertarian podcasts. Now, this is in like 2012, 2013. Uh, seems crazy today, I know, because there's literally probably more than you could. You could probably listen to a libertarian podcast a day right now and for a year and not listen to the same one twice. And I, I'm being completely legitimate about that. Uh, at the time, there were not that many libertarian podcasts out there. There was Lou Rockwell had some, but they were kind of sporadic. They weren't every week. Robert Wenzel, he's a great guy, been on the show. He also had some interviews, but they weren't every week. They weren't regular. And I just wanted to like open my phone every week and get another interview with another libertarian about how they became libertarians and why they believe in these ideas. And I couldn't find it. So when you can't find something and you want to have it, you're, you can do two things. You can complain about it, which I guess is what a lot of people would do. Uh, but I actually just decided to just make this podcast. And we already had somewhat of a platform with Lions of Liberty. So I just made it the Lions of Liberty podcast. And that's, it's kind of just spawned out from there. Uh, eventually, Brian, I did incorporate Brian and John into the show a little bit. Uh, I, that was kind of my vision from the beginning. I, I wanted to sort of translate a lot of what we did in real life, like a lot of the sort of late night drunk conversations about these ideas. And I wanted to translate them into podcast form. I wanted these to be accessible conversations that didn't that weren't hyper intellectual, weren't intimidating to people, uh, but also are intellectual. You know, we also are talking about uh, serious intellectual ideas, but doing that, that in, a, in a fun, approachable way. And I I think I think that I think we've been fairly successful at doing that uh, over the years. But um, yeah, we've now branched out now. Uh, as you mentioned, they each have their own shows on the uh, on Lines of Liberty as well as myself. Uh, so we've got a great variety, a great mix. We all have similar principles, similar drives, some similar passion and focus, but I think very different personalities too, and, and a very different approach to uh, to interviews, approach to tackling ideas. Yeah, and I'm grateful that you started a podcast. Uh, I, I got into podcasts probably late to the game, about three or four years ago I got into them, but uh, I was introduced to uh, people like Tom Woods and, and Jason Stapleton, and then somewhere along the line I found, uh, found your uh, network. But uh, it, it's nice that you have three people in the network that you can at least have 
a show three times a week where, you know, somebody like me who works full time and has a family, one show a week is all I can muster right now. But you know. I know, man, it's, it's hard for me to get my one show out. And I also have a, another podcast. I have the second print comics podcast, completely unrelated to politics in theory, although politics, again, sort of seeps into everything. And that that's part of what, we, what we're all trying to do, expanding into different areas of pop culture. Um, we're trying to do non-political work, but, you know, when you are who you are and being and being true to yourself, being true to your personality, being true to your beliefs, you, that stuff is going to seep into everything you do. So I think that's that's kind of a Lions of Liberty phase two, I guess, is, is bringing the lions into the pop culture. All right, guys, let's take a quick second. I want to thank our awesome sponsor for today's show, which is Pack Crest Botanicals. If you listen to episode 55 of this show, then you heard my conversation with Michael Pickens. He is the CEO of Pack Crest Botanicals, which offers the highest quality herbal supplements, natural topicals, and CBD hemp products. They also carry Delta 8 vape cartridges. Now, Delta 8 is fully legal in all 50 states, and unlike regular Delta 9 cannabis, when you take it, you get a nice relaxing body sensation without the anxiety or paranoia you sometimes get with recreational products. With Pack Crest, your medicine gets shipped directly to your home. It comes in a little undisclosed box and ready to go. Pack Crest Botanicals also has full-spectrum tinctures, adaptogen teas, mushroom blends, and even topicals and balms. So go to PackCrestBotanicals.com. The listeners of this program will get a 30% discount on their first order. Just type in the word Invictus at checkout. That's PackCrestBotanicals.com with discount code Invictus for 30% off. They don't skimp on quality because the stuff they sell is the stuff they want to use. Now let's get back to the show. Well, you got a background in TV and production. You know, you went to Penn State and you studied that. Uh, did you have the intention of, you know, working where you work right now when you, when you were studying that in school? You know, I think like many people, I went into college and was told to choose a major because that's what we're supposed to do, not because I had some definite idea of what I wanted to do with my life. I actually had really no idea what, what I wanted to do to my life going to college. I just knew that this is what you're supposed to do. And I, I remember looking at a list of majors and a list of subjects, and I went, I got, I got to the communication section, and I remember the one that stood out to me. It, it wasn't TV and video production, which, which I ended up doing. It was actually journalism. So I actually started as a, as a journalism major. That was what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and then I quickly learned that what you are taught about journalism was not the idea that I had of journalism. I actually <laughs> thought journalism was where you go and you, like, you know, you go – you launch an investigation and you expose Watergate and, you know, you do you do big revelationary things and journalists like that certainly do exist, but they exist. They don't exist because they went to journalism school. All right. And if they do, if they exist and they went to journalism school, it's because they unlearned everything they learned in journalism, because mm. in journalism classes, it was the it was the fastest way to turn me off from journalism was by by taking journalism classes. Um, now I've sort of gotten back into my own form of journalism in a sense by doing the podcast. I mean, it is definitely a, a kind of journalism doing interviews like I do. Um, so maybe that that I've come full circle in a way. But the way you're taught journalism in these courses is really you're basically taught to, you know, how to write an unbiased article and how to not be biased. And it's it just it's very bland. It's very dry. And the one thing you notice about people that talk about being unbiased is that those are the people that are least 
aware of their own bias. Uh, everyone is biased. It's impossible to not be biased. So we should, so true journalism to me <clears throat> is journalism that simply doesn't pretend to be biased. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, doesn't pretend to be unbiased. That actually just mm -hmm. reveals the bias. You reveal who you are through your journalism. And my favorite journalists out there are all people that I know they're biased. I know where they're coming from because they don't hide it. They don't pretend that they are the the final arbiter of, of all news. They don't pretend they are uh, CNN like they're the ba the last bastion of true journalism or truth. No, they openly admit and describe their beliefs in life. And then you understand the filter that they're giving you information from. And that's that's actual journalism. It's having all the information for yourself out there, including the bi bias of the journalist. Yeah. Then you can go out and find the programs that you uh, you match with. You know, if you if you if you like a certain bias, if you are biased that way, then you can find who you like. And if you want to hear the opposite, uh, the opposite of that bias, well, then you can do that too. But like you said, everyone just kind of shields the fact that they're biased and, and you think that uh, they're just reporting the truth. And you can tell it just seeps in everything they say. And, and it just, it turns a lot of people off. And some of my favorite journalists don't share my bias. I mean, I love, I'm a big fan of Tim Poole, uh, Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi. These are all people that I think would probably be closer to Bernie Sanders politically than, than Ron Paul. Um, but I, I also see them as true journalists where they're actually trying to get towards the bottom of information. They're actually, they're trying to be honest in their own reporting and they're not pretending they don't have their biases. And that's why I really enjoy their work, even though I don't agree with a lot of the actual positions they might take while describing that, you know, while describing a certain story or what have you. Now, I don't hear you talk a lot about your your job, uh, your day job on the, on the podcast that you do, but uh, I understand you work for the NFL Network, correct? I do. I do. Yes. So are there any concerns of you saying the wrong thing and maybe getting fired in this cancel culture that we live in? Um, yes and no. <laughs> so let's see. Maybe this will be the one. Maybe this will be the time that that, 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 that happens. Um, it's, it's been, it's, um, hmm, how do I put all this? And I did tell you that nothing was off limits. So, so and, and I meant that. So it's true. I'm sorry. Why don't we start by you telling us what exactly you do for the NFL Network? And then okay, we'll start there. Yeah. Uh, so basically I do, um, I guess what you would call in layman's terms sort of like live video editing or very quick turnaround video editing. Uh, it's not the same kind of editing you would do like in, in producing a, a pre-produced TV show or a sitcom or a film. I do very fast turnaround editing that you see like in a, in a sport, sporting event, like a sport highlight, or you know when they go to a commercial break and you see a couple shots of like a cool catch, that's the kind of thing I do. Uh, so it's very fast and fast turnaround kind of stuff. So I work in on sports, I work in live events, and for the NFL Network specifically, I work on their studio shows out here in Los Angeles. So I'm basically compiling video uh, that's coming down from whether it's video from practice, video from a game, uh, sound bites uh, from uh, from athletes, from coaches, and that sort of thing. That's all stuff that uh, that I'm dealing with. And yeah, I don't think I've ever. I think this is actually the first time I've ever actually explained what it is I actually do on a podcast. I've I've mentioned where I work before, uh, but yeah, you're the first one to actually ask me. So what the hell do you actually do? So thank you. Well, not a problem. I had a, well, I went to college for uh, some multimedia production years ago and I didn't have a, I never got majored and I actually, uh, I majored <laughs> just general education really. And, uh, and I got a sales and marketing degree, but uh, I, I was always interested in TV production. Although uh, I finally, finally, after 20 years from college, finally got into podcasting and everything like that. But uh, 
No, I just got I me. Mean, it's funny because yeah, like like I said, I was in journalism, and I, the only reason I got into video production is because I was journalism is under the College of Communication. So in the when you get a communication degree, you take certain classes in your major, but then you have to take some other communication related degrees and I are related classes, I should say. And I just happened to take one video production class, and I really realized I was like, oh, I love video editing. I love doing this. I remember editing a music video for one of my projects. I was like, oh, I really like this. And the teacher came over and behind my back and was like, oh, you have a really good eye for this stuff. I was like, oh, really? And uh, so that that's kind of what led me more down that path, just finding that I really enjoyed that part of the process. Uh, and I have a, a very like rapid fire brain. Like my mind is always doing a million things at once, uh, which can be a hindrance in many things in life uh, when I'm trying to wash the dishes, but I'm also thinking about bills I have to pay. And I'm also thinking about the podcast I have to edit. And oh my God, I forgot to go do this and that. And it can be hectic in there. Um, but that same sort of uh, that same mindset, allows me to do this job very well because I do have to think quickly. I do have to literally, sometimes I'm editing three things literally like at once. So that's that, that, you know, that, that sort of way my brain works has been both, both a hindrance, but as well as a, uh, a great boon to what I specifically do in my career. Great. Now, were you always a sports fan or is it just recently because of your job? I stopped listening. I stopped watching football a couple of years ago, except for I, I caught a couple of minutes of the Super Bowl this year. Well, I've been a huge sports fan all my life. As long as we all agree that professional wrestling is indeed a sport. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I, I grew up, I, like I said, I, I was into big, was and am huge into pro, into uh, pro wrestling. Uh, my parents were never big into sports, so I like I played sports when I was a kid. I played soccer, I played some baseball, and I did get a little bit into. So I was a, I, I was raised in Buffalo, New York, and I became like a fan of the Buffalo Bills. They're still my team, uh, especially you know in the mid '90s there when they were uh, really successful, made it to four Super Bowls. So th- I've always been a little bit of a sports fan. I was also I grew up watching the Yankees, and this is actually when the Yankees were terrible in the '80s, and I grew up a big fan of the Yankees. So I, I'm not. Not like a huge sports fan. I don't obsess over sports. Um, if my team loses, like the Bills lost in the playoffs. It was very exciting. They were in the playoffs. They made it to the AFC Championship. That was awesome. I enjoyed watching the game, enjoyed working on the game. When the game was over, I had zero emotion about the fact that they lost. So I enjoy sports. Um, I enjoy watching sports. I enjoy when teams I followed since I was a kid do well. But I'm not, it's not something that I'm super passionate about. I do enjoy working in sports because I do enjoy the fast paced environment and sort of the, you know, the rapid fire nature of things. Um, but I have no emotional attachment really to the outcome, even of teams that I'm a fan of. Um, the, the sports I get into the most are actually more the combat sports and boxing, MMA, that sort of thing. Because to me, that's, that's something I can get, maybe because it's so, it's similar to pro wrestling, but I can actually get invested in, in combat. I mean, it can feel like life or death because it sort of is. You're hitting someone in the face and, and trying to manipulate their body in painful ways. And if it wasn't in the controlled environment, it would be life or death. So to me, that's just a little more, that kind of sport is a little more compelling uh, than, than team sports. seems like politics, the world of politics is all about sports. And, you know, yeah, Republicans and Democrats remind me of uh, WWE wrestling, right? So, you know, they're... <laughs> They hate each other on stage, but behind the scenes, they're shaking hands and saying, okay, we're going to do this and do that. And it's going to, it's going to look like this. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. It's funny you say that. Cause that was my, one of my first real exposures to politics was through being a fan originally through pro wrestling of Jesse, the body Ventura. And I remember just hearing about him becoming the governor of Minnesota. And it was just this whole big story. But to me, I was just like, Jesse Ventura is a governor. What? So I would follow him and I started reading his books 
And he really opened my eyes to a lot of how politics works because he described politics as similar to pro wrestling, uh, where you would have this big battle, this big fight on TV. Democrats and Republicans would be yelling at each other or fighting over some big bill or involved in some huge scandal. And then just like he did with his pro wrestling buddies, because uh, he was what was called a heel in pro wrestling. He was a bad guy. So he would go out there, be doing dastardly things. Um, but then after the after the match, him and uh, his face, his good guy opponent, would go out and have drinks because it was all part of the show. And he, say, he said that was what politics exactly was, especially once he got involved in politics. He saw that even more so, that these these feuds we see, these are literally TV shows. These are for entertainment. These are for consumption. These are not real. I mean, I'm sure there are people in politics that really hate each other, really love each other. It's probably not the people you think. You know, There's probably a lot of people that like each other, you think hate each other, and vice versa. I mean, I think I saw not long after, who was it? It was... um. It was Kamala Harris and and Lindsey Graham that I think they I think it was Lindsey Graham that fist bumped each other on the house floor and it was just going around and people were like I can't believe Kamala Harris would do that would, would would fist bump this man because he's a terrible or vice versa and hey kids this is how it is these these guys are all fist bumping each other after after the after the fact I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Biden and Donald Trump are fist bumping each other I mean the it the whole thing is a show and the more we recognize that the more we can properly navigate it yeah, you saw that with Donald Trump and pictures of Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton at some social event, and and you're thinking, wow, they they hate each other, huh? And mm-hmm. most most people watching uh, the news will think that yeah, these are mortal enemies, but they they all go out to the same social events, they all do whatever they they do. It's them against us, but uh, it it is very sportsmanlike, indeed. So it's interesting that uh, you said that you liked wrestling, and then you had a chance to interview both Jesse Ventura and Glenn Jacobs, yeah, on your show. So uh, what was that like? Well, um, Glenn was actually the first one I interviewed. I think it was maybe my, I want to say my sixth episode, eighth episode, one of those. It was really early. And it's a really, it's something that I, 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 it's a story I bring up a lot because I want to use it to encourage people to reach out beyond what they believe to be their scope in life. Because when I emailed Glenn Jacobs, you know, he had done a little bit of political writing and started doing some writing on like the Daily Wire or Daily Caller and LouRockwell.com. So I knew he had been a little bit open about his political beliefs. And I reached out to him and I just gave him a very humble introduction. Like, like I've been a big wrestling fan my whole life. I've been a big fan of yours in the ring and I love your politics. I just started the show. I'd really appreciate it if you would consider coming on. Not expecting a response at all. Of course not. Why would this big pro wrestler respond to this guy he's never heard of? I, not five minutes after I sent that email, he responded back and just said, sure, I'd love to. Let's do it. And I was just like, what? I mean, I really did not think that that, that was going to happen. It was just a shot in the dark. Um, but that's why you got to take shots in the dark because sometimes they land. <laughs> you know, the, That's why shots in the dark exist uh, or else no one would take them at all. Sometimes those shots actually do land. And uh, yeah, it was, I, was just, I was so gracious that he would take the time of day to, uh, to give me and come on the show. And uh, yeah, it was it was really awesome to interview him. I wish I was a little more a little better of an interviewer when I first e- emailed him, I, or when I first um, you know scheduled with him. I think I was a little bit of a, a little bit of a nervous fanboy the first time, but the second time, which is only maybe a month or so ago, felt a lot better. I, I was nowhere nowhere near as nervous, and he's just he's a really good guy, and and he's he's a really someone that believes in what he says. I mean, I, I have no doubt about that. 
I mean, I'd say that's probably the case for most of my guests, uh, because if you're in the libertarian niche, if you're promoting these ideas, if you're if you're not at least somewhat of a true believer, uh, there's a much easier path out there for you to achieve financial success or success in politics. Uh, choosing the libertarian brand would not be the wise way to go if you're a grifter, if you're a phony, if you're just trying to make it uh, make it big, uh, riding a wave of some kind. This would this would not be the smart way to go. So I I think that's probably true of almost all my guests. But he he truly did come across it. As very very genuine to me, and it's it's awesome seeing someone like that uh, actually achieve not just success in the real world, but actually achieve that success in politics. Um, helped in in part definitely by his name and by the fact that he had achieved such success out of politics. Um, but it shows you that you can actually. It's hard. It's very difficult, but you can actually be a non Machiavellian in your politics in terms of you can actually say what you believe and you can actually achieve sort of Machiavellian success. You can actually get up there. It's hard and there's only certain ways to do it and you have to have the right mix, the right number, the right kind of elements come together at the right time for that to work. But I think Glenn Jacobs is one example where he's been able to stay true, stay principled and achieve political success at the same time. Yeah, Mark, you know, I, I don't want to focus too much on just libertarian politics here, but uh, you said something when you were talking about that that uh, intrigued me because I, I'm a relatively new podcaster. This is actually my 55th show, so uh, you got about 10 times more shows than me. But uh, it's interesting because I find it very easy when you actually reach out to somebody. You say, shot in the dark, right? Hey, would you come on my show? Yeah, no problem. I didn't think it would actually be that easy. And so Yeah, it's really easy. It's the easiest part actually. <laughs> for all those aspiring podcasts out there, just, you know, take that shot in the dark and, and just contact the people you can. Of course, you know, sometimes you gotta meet them on uh, in Facebook Messenger or email or somebody has an introduction. But uh, I find it quite fun that, you know, you, you get this sense of I know people all across the country now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Very much so. I mean I mean, we're uh, my wife and I are looking at taking a road trip later this year, and I I was just going through like, all right, maybe we can take some strategic stops. Like, who do I know here and here? And I'm realizing like, like, okay, I have certain friends just from my regular life that I know, but when I expand out into the podcast circles and the connections I've made, like there's nowhere we could stop where I don't know someone. I mean, I, I know, and I know I could just post in our Lions of Liberty group that has two thousand people in it, and uh, and probably find a place to stay anywhere we want. Well, there you go. <laughs> what are the benefits of doing podcasts? I don't know if I want to stay with all those people, you know. <laughs> I, I joke, probably, maybe. I don't know, but we'll see. Very cool, very cool. So um, with uh, with the podcasting, I, I just got to ask you, because you have an interview show, you know, and uh, I feel most comfortable actually podcasting, talking to somebody else than just doing a monologue. Oh, yeah. That's why I do an interview show. <laughs> yeah, because monologuing is kind of hard. I was laughing with Brian McWilliams about this. Sometimes I just sit there and I don't even know what to say to people or what to do. And then, uh, you know, having a co-host would be would be a fun thing, too. So you, you do that with uh, with your other podcast as well, right? Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, I have. Uh, I think I touched on it briefly. But uh, this past year during, I guess, the what you might call the height of the pandemic, it, it was the height of it for me because I was on furlough from from the day job. Um, I just well, I reached out to here's how it all happened, really. I grew up a big wrestling fan, a big comic book fan. Um, I kind of took time off from both of those as I got into early adulthood. My, my 20s, I barely touched either of those products. I barely read comics. I barely watched professional wrestling. Sometime in my mid-30s, 
uh, I started to get back into those things. And I think what really happened was is that I got so immersed in politics from the Ron Paul campaign, like 2007 and beyond. There was nothing else to me. There was only politics. There was only libertarian ideas. If, there, if, if I wasn't like eating or breathing, I was either telling something about liberty, starting the podcast, writing an article, reading a book. Uh, I, there was nothing else to me. There was just nothing else that, that mattered. And at some point, I think that became a little unhealthy. And then uh, <laughs> I have friends of mine that started uh, people, I've, guys I've been friends with for like 20 20 years uh, that started a wrestling podcast that's a place to be nation to give them a little shout out uh, and I started listening to their podcast really just because I, they were my friends I'm like oh, I'll listen to that but I really enjoyed listening to them talk about all the old wrestling shows that we used to watch and as a kid and it made me really nostalgic and I was like why don't why why I don't need to, I'm allowed to watch this stuff in my 30s. It's okay. I'm allowed to enjoy things that entertain me. So I started kind of getting back into that stuff and also getting back into comics at the same time because I realized um, it's I I need that. I need that escape. I need to the same reason I used to read a lot of science fiction. Like I need to completely escape uh, from the politics uh, to really navigate this thing. And now I feel like I have a lot more balance in my life uh, in, in many different areas, but particularly in just in what I consume. Uh, I don't only consume libertarian articles libertarian media libertarian um libertarian books uh that for for a few years for probably five or six years that was all i consumed i mean that was it so i think having the diversity has really helped me a lot uh as well and so i hope to do the same for other people that i really wanted to start this show it's called the second print comics podcast because i wanted to find people uh like myself that that enjoy comic books and enjoy these stories and characters for the escape that they are um and it's, it's funny is because as much as much as a, an escape that they are. Uh, I always get brought bought back into the real world because it's amazing how many parallels you see in these stories to the modern day, to politics, to everything else. Because it's it's all life, and comic books is just another medium of storytelling. It's another another medium like a novel, like a film, what have you. Um, it's simply a medium, and a medium can be a medium for anything. Um, and just like there are many compelling films, many compelling novels, uh, many compelling what have you, uh, YouTube series whatever it is, whatever form medium it is, even when you're away from the politics, you realize that life is politics and that these messages and the stories and the, and the things you can learn from those stories, they're everywhere. And and now I'm seeing that so much more in a lot of the stories I read, especially when it comes to comic books. And like, I'm probably a little more stretched to relate that to professional wrestling, but the comic book stories, you can definitely see it uh, everywhere you go. So even though we're doing a very strictly non-political show and we are not doing the show as two libertarians hosting a podcast about comics, we're doing a comic book podcast that happens to be hosted by libertarians. But we are who we are, and I think think that our our beliefs and our our our, our uh, principles probably do not probably I know they do filter into into the content but hopefully in a way where we're not trying to hammer anything over your head because it's not about that it's about the comics it's about the stories it's about the entertainment you just hopefully might get your mind opened a little bit along the way through some insight you might get from Remzo or myself that you wouldn't get from someone who didn't have the same perspective as us Absolutely. We definitely need that escape. And we saw in the year 2020 when everyone was stuck at home that, uh, you know, we can't just sit there and consume the news all day long. So we need some kind of mistakes. And whether you're 30, 40, 50, I think just being a man in general, you know, you need to have some kind of escape from the real world. And so um, with the Marvel comics, I, that's, that was my escape. I really loved the, the Marvel comics series. So I'm thinking of uh, Iron Man and, and Captain America in the Civil War is one of my favorite comics. <laughs> and you see, you see some politics get into that. Oh, yeah. and, there's some like politics that. there for sure. 
it's funny because that's that's a story. Civil War came out not long, like pretty much right after I stopped reading comics for a while. And that was one of the first stories I read when I got back into comics because uh, that was one I'd heard a lot about. And yeah, I mean, that was that is extremely political. And uh, <clears throat> that's the kind of thing where I think you're, you know, to me, when I read that story, like it was so obvious that Captain America was the good guy and Tony Stark was the bad guy. And it's, it's somewhat similar to the roles they played in the Marvel in the film Civil War, um, a little bit of a different kind of background and scope. But same idea that they wanted to have basically legislation regulating superheroes um, in the now in the in the Marvel comics. The the big thing about that was, you know, in the movies, it's about regulating them and controlling the you know where they can fight in the comics. It was about revealing their secret identities. That was mm. what became a big thing because they don't really do this in the movies they're pretty much they don't really have really secret identities i think in, in the mcu movies it's mostly like this guy is this guy and everyone knows it but in the comics like secret identities are a big thing uh you know that having a secret identity is what protects people's families and, and what have you when they're out there uh creating enemies and doing heroics or, or what have you um so um that that was really the crux of that of, the, of whether all the heroes should have to register with the government and captain america was like no we can't do that that's wrong and tony stark was like yes you should so i was on i was on captain america's side uh during that uh, as well as during the movies but uh, yeah I mean that reading that um, after kind of being in politics for so long and having not read the comics for so long I was like oh wow this is a there's a I want to say it's a libertarian story. It's not a libertarian story. There just is a libertarian perspective in that story, I'd say, from Captain America. <laughs> and because I'm a libertarian, that's how I see it. You might have another political view and see it as a different kind of story. Uh, you might see Captain America as the bad guy if you have another sort of point of view. Well, I'm on Team Cap just like you. So that, that's, Excellent. <laughs> that's good. Awesome. Well, you know, so um, the comics and everything like that and with the sports, and it just seems like, uh, you know, like you said earlier, politics just doesn't seem to be the idea going forward. I think that I really liked the conversation you had with uh, like going back to Thaddeus Russell. And I think uh, which one did I listen to before that um, you had you had Buck Williams on your show before that and uh, talking about the Buck future. Johnson, yeah. I'm sorry, Buck Johnson. Yep. Yes. I'm having him on my podcast. I should get his name right. It's <laughs> the trial run for his for his show. You practice exactly. his name with me, and then you'll get it right by the time you talk to him. There you go. No, but uh, uh, what I've been really interested in. So I, I'm going to diverge a second here. You know, I, I've been listening to Jason Stapleton for a long time, and I know that uh, you and him have been uh, podcasting together. And he has this idea about how we can change the world. You really can't change the world from the political perspective, especially if you are a libertarian, you know, getting elected is hard enough and then getting everyone to agree with your ideas. But uh, what I like to do with this podcast, Mark, is really focus on some of the things that we can do to not only promote liberty, but to better ourselves in the future. And I think that conversation that you had with Buck was was awesome about some of the other alternatives that we can do instead of focusing only on, on uh, libertarian ideology then. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I think that's uh, that's kind of just the direction I've been trying to go with so many things, is, is especially with my flagship show. Yeah, I think for the first five or six years, almost every interview I did was looking to kind of break down the libertarian philosophy or, you know, dive dive really deep into libertarianism. And now over the past year and sort of going forward, um, it's still the same show. It still is about liberty, but I really want to focus more on on how people can achieve more liberty in their own lives. Um, there's plenty of material now out there 
between five years of Lions Liberty and plenty of other books and podcasts, everyone has tackled the libertarian philosophy. So I don't know that there's that much more work I need to do on that myself. Uh, but I think there is a lot more work that needs to be done in um, encouraging people to be outside of that. Don't be what I was for six or seven years and focus only on libertarian, 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 libertarian. You're going to lose your mind and you're probably not going to win that many people over either. That's the thing. You're not going to win that many people over by just being that libertarian guy. In fact, you're going to turn a lot of people off. How are you going to win people over is if you're that awesome guy or that amazing chick. That's how you're going to turn win people over in whatever it is you do. And it doesn't matter what that is. Because um, no matter wh where you are doing these things, if you're successful, if you're applying yourselves consistently, if you're being stoic, if you're leading a good example, if you're speaking truth to power, uh, if you're being a good husband, a good father, uh, a good friend, these are the things that actually matter in life, not the politics. And this is from someone that hosts a political po po podcast and talks about politics constantly. But it's the truth. And it's one thing that I've definitely learned over these years is that y your politics have to they can they can only be like a reflection of who you are, but you have to be who you are. You have to be that person. You have to be that leader. You have to be that example that people want to follow. You have to be someone that people admire. You have to be someone that people want to want to know what makes them tick. You have to be someone that people want to look at and say, what, what's that guy all about? How did he get where he is? How come people like him so much? Why do people listen to that person? And the reasons are never going to be because they're a libertarian. But if you have all these reasons, if you have all these admirable qualities, if you are successful in so many areas of life, and then you happen to be a libertarian, well, that's how people are going to start to listen to your ideas. When they say, oh, wait, this guy I already respect in this one area of life. Like I know Buck, for example, like you said, is, is big in, he's big in the fitness world. Um, so if he goes around the gym and, and, and trying to tell everybody why they should be libertarian, it doesn't matter what they think of him, he's not going to win people over. But if he goes to the gym and helps people out and, you know, teaches them more about fitness and, and is, is helpful to people and providing value in their lives and becomes a friend to those people and becomes a leader in that fitness community, uh, which I, I, he has done, those people are then going to want to listen to what he has to say in other aspects of life. So it's, it's the same idea, but it's putting your life and putting the important things first. And that's how you're going to attract people to listen to your message. Um, and I think so many people, including myself for a very long time, have put in libertarian, liberty, whatever it may be first. But then when that's first and that's all you have, well, look around you. What else is going on? Like, are, are, are you unemployed? Are you living in your parents' basement? I don't want to you know, propagate these stereotypes. But if that is your situation, then maybe stop. Put the book down for a minute, actually. Maybe maybe try to improve your own life. Try, try to find some skills. Um, you know, try to become a leader in your community. Just do. Start doing things. Start a business. Send an email. Take a shot in the dark. Learn a new skill. Uh, get out there and improve yourself. And I'm not saying give up learning about libertarian ideas and give up learning about Come, Please, keep listening to Lions Liberty please um, consume this material um, expose yourself to it but don't make your life centered around it because it's a it's not gonna bring you happiness it's really not it's not gonna bring you happiness because you're just going to get more insulated and realize more and more that not everyone around you agrees with you and that your methods are not working if you're just telling them over and over why they have to be libertarians uh, why they must think this way or that way uh, but you're really not gonna be effective if you're not doing it from a position of leadership from a position of uh, from from already being someone that people want to follow and want to admire. That's the only way you're really going to change people's views on things. If, if they see what you're doing in life and they they appreciate what you're doing in life for non-political reasons, that's what's going to make them actually care about what your politics are when that stuff comes up.
I think that's perfect the way you said that. I'm thinking of the uh, the red pill, blue pill, but then you introduce the white pill and black pill, right? I think that once you take the and for those who um, don't know what that is, you can probably read Mark's uh, article that came out uh, about the red pill and the blue pill. Yes, follow me on Substack. I'm trying to build that up. Mark MarkClaire.substack.com. There you go. But once you read the once you take the red pill, right, you can continue taking that red pill, and it eventually becomes a black pill, and then becomes mm-hmm. discouraged, and you lose all hope. And so I like to take the white pill's perspective that there's always hope and opportunity in the future. And uh, somebody introduced me to the clear pill. I don't know if you've heard of that one, Mark, but the, the clear pill is when you basically become an agorist and you just kind of get yourself out of the political system and you say, I don't need them. And uh, this is how I want to live my life. So. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know if I coined the term. I, I used the term in that article, gray pill, where I am kind of pessimistic in some ways about, you know, fighting the giant tidal wave of where things are going like i don't feel like i can be like maybe it's just from living in california with these mask mandates and the lockdowns it's not the mask mandates and the lockdowns that are the problem it's the people living around me that all beg and cry and plead for that stuff and that's why it happens um so that i've been a little bit blackpilled i guess in that sense just seeing the way things have been around me um but i i've also been white pilled in the sense that I, I really am more optimistic than ever that there's there's so much opportunity out there for individuals to have an impact for individuals to impact themselves their family the people directly out out them so that's why I kind of called that a a gray pill for myself it's kind of a, a a merging of the white and gray but I like clear pill too that's an interesting one <laughs> maybe that's what I really believe at the at the end of the day so where do you see yourself in the next five years Mark you continue doing this show or are you gonna you can start a business of your own what's, what's going on with with your future. Very good questions. Very good questions. Um, I definitely have plans to do some different things. <laughs> I don't know what those things are. I'm trying to tread lightly here, Michael, as you can see. I'm currently employed by a full-time employer, and I appreciate that employment. Let me just put it that way, because it's actually been amazing for my life um, to have this stability over the last few years. Because mm-hmm. uh, for about 10 years before this full-time job, I was purely freelance. I worked in, only in the in the freelance, uh, you know, doing freelance TV production stuff, the same stuff I do now, but kind of every month getting new jobs and booking. And, and really having the stability of that job has helped me to be able to focus more on growing lines of liberty because I'm not always chasing work constantly. So it's actually been a great thing um, to have a full-time job and have the insurance. And it's really helped me in life in many, many ways. At the same time, uh, you can only go so far, I think, in a giant corporation in in the United States. And I think, you know, I, I was put on furlough during the coronavirus pandemic this summer, and it really, really drove home to me that as much as I know I do good work, as much as my boss and many other people around me appreciate my work, producers I work with, directors I work with, I know they all appreciate my work, and I know I do great work, and I also know it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> Ultimately, it doesn't really matter because doing great work isn't really necessarily how you succeed and go higher and higher. Now, I don't really have aspirations to go higher and higher and higher in exactly what I'm doing. I want to go in a sort of different way. So I I appreciate what I do. I appreciate what I have. And I appreciate what I've had over the years. Uh, But ultimately, we are all cogs in a system and we are all very, very replaceable. And we are all going to be replaced in some way or another, whether it's by another human or a robot or or some software. It doesn't matter. A lot of what we're doing is going away. So we can either just complain about that and be sad about it and worry about the future, or we can plan for that future. And that's what I've been trying to do with my own life. Uh, I am trying to 
branch off myself into various different outlets and businesses. I'm trying to build up uh, my, my Substack that I just started this year. I'm going to start try, trying to grow that a lot more. I'm also trying to offer my own services outside of uh, sort of in, in the podcasting realm. So I'm actually working with one client right now to help grow his podcast, uh, his, his own podcast. Uh, I'm trying, I'm basically offering consulting services. I've done some one-off consulting, like hour-long sessions with people here and there, helping them sort of grow their shows. Because one thing in the pandemic is a lot of people have had extra time and have, have have been looking for some kind of outlet, and so a lot of people have been creating podcasts and and uh, different forms of media. And I've I've found that there is actually, even though there's a million different books and courses and a million things, there's so much information you can find about how to do it out there. There's still so many people lost because it's hard to sort through all of that. Well, I've spent mm -hmm. seven or eight years sorting through all of that. So I actually think now, like the personal perspective, like I, I don't really have an interest in creating a course to sell or anything like that. I know that's probably a, a faster way to achieve riches. What I really like doing is working with people one-on-one, -on -one, working with people that are looking to grow their podcast because then I can actually sit down with them know what they want, what their goals are, um, understand what they're really trying to do, understand what their show is really about, and kind of craft some strategies with them that way. So that's one thing I'm really passionate about doing, and that's a business that I'm, I'm currently trying to grow um, outside of the full-time job. Because no matter what I do, uh, like a lot of our jobs are going away, and we're all very replaceable. And the fact that I could be just randomly put on furlough, uh, you know, some might say um, before a lot of people that should have been there before me, in theory, I'm not saying that. It's been said to me by others, so I'm just I'm just quoting. I'm just paraphrasing. Uh, you never know how the the corporate world is going to treat you because it's. I mean, whoever made the decisions about my furlough, it's not my boss. It's not even his boss. It's not even his boss. It's it was somewhere else. You know, it was someone looking mm -hmm. at a spreadsheet, just going, okay, we need to pull one out here, pull one. Out, you know, that that's all it was. So I don't take it personally. I just take it for what it is. It's that it is a, a stark reminder that. In many ways, in, in large corporations here anyway, we are just numbers. We are replaceable. Even if you think you're not, even if you know you do great work, you're replaceable. Trust me. Uh, you can be plucked right out um, just like that. Now, I was plucked right out temporarily, and I was plucked back in, but it really did offer a lot of perspective. So I am trying to look at things in a bigger picture um, and trying to build up a situation where I'm not reliant on on that steady paycheck, whether I choose to to have it or not. I want that to be my choice, you know? I think that's perfect answer right there. Having that choice it makes all the difference right there. That's, and that's really what liberty is all about, having a choice exactly. to, to control your, the source of your income or having the choice to be able to, to work for somebody. I call a job a J-O-B, jail of the brokenhearted, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> We've seen so many people just have- uh, I mean, even a great prison is still, you know, even if you're at the nicest resort prison, it's still a prison, <laughs> you know? So even when you have a great job with great benefits and great salary, Maybe it's just a little bit of a nicer prison. I don't know. I'm not calling my employer prisoners. I want to be clear. But <laughs> these are metaphors, folks. Metaphors, everybody. I don't know if anyone from the NFL will hear this show, but you never know. So <laughs> you know what? If if I if I if if this show is the one that got me in trouble, it means you're doing something right, Michael. So I'm not worried about it either way. <laughs> Excellent. Hey Mark, before I let you go, I gotta ask you the question I try to ask everybody, but I'm not always successful. But you've already answered it in a lot of what you've said. And that question is, are you Invictus? You know I'm Invictus. Come on. <laughs> just wanted to hear you say it, man. I'm Invictus as fuck. Am I allowed to curse here? I just yeah, well, you know, it's PG-13, so I'll give you one. <laughs> All right. I'm Invictus AF. 
Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Mark, I, I really appreciate the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I, I know I, I wanted to steer away from uh, the political conversation, just to talk about life in general, because I think that's really what uh, what's most important. You, you very adequately described how family and, and friendships and relationships and, and having the ability to uh, to control your life is, is really what's most important, rather than just getting behind a microphone and squawking all day long about what we don't like. And uh, though you 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 continue to uh, provide good value with your show, and uh, and I hope you uh, success in the future. Other than everything you've talked about right now, is there anything else you want to plug before we get going? Oh boy, I've talked about so much, but the, the biggest things are just follow us uh, at Lions Liberty on social media on on Twitter, and then um, of course we have Patreons for both of our podcasts. If you want to further support us, uh, as you do as well, patreoncom Liberty. Um, you can also follow the Second Print Comics podcast. We are at secondprintcomics.com. We are at Second Print Pod on social media, Twitter, and Instagram, and that's. And the second is is the word second, not uh, two N D. That will not find you the same stuff. So, uh, second print pod and patreon.com slash second print pod uh, for our Patreon. Uh, but just check our shows out if you if you like anything I said about anything. Just check out Lions Liberty or the Second Print Comics podcast. I want to thank Mark Claire for coming on the show today. I am grateful for him and for each of the Lions of Liberty Pride that have graciously come to dialogue with me and discuss how we can find freedom in this ever changing world. I also want to thank the listeners of this program for returning each and every week. I truly believe that it's because of people like you that help spread the message that when we as individuals realize our greatest strengths and magnify our callings, nothing will stop the momentum of our potential. Okay, come back next week and we'll do it all again. Until that time, be productive, be unconquerable, and be free. Take care. (laughs) 